Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. I feel like God's going to do something very special today. In fact, I got a little troubled because Pastor announced that August 1st is going to be the best Sunday ever. I was kind of hoping today would be the best Sunday ever. And one of, the, one of the things, hey, Sister Veda, listen, just real, just real quick, step out here a minute. Just real quick. Now, I always say the wrong thing. Was it deaf or blind? She is blind in one eye last summer. And I was preaching a revival. And you remember all the protocols that we had? And you couldn't do a whole lot? I remember preaching here last year. Everybody's masked up and I couldn't hear one amen because of the masks. I was preaching at a church and everyone masked up. We're doing all the protocols. I'd never met her before. And I was preaching and I wasn't even really preaching that good between you and me. It was all right, but it wasn't. It definitely wasn't the best Sunday ever. I'll tell you that much. And this lady got out of her chair and started running the aisles shouting. You remember running the aisles? Well, she took off running the aisles shouting. And I knew it can't be this sermon. This is not a run the aisle sermon. This isn't even like a wave your hand sermon. This is, I didn't even know if you was worthy of a nod. And when she got back to her chair and someone went to go see what's going on with the lady running the aisles, she said, I was blind in one eye, but the Lord told me, if you'll get out and run and shout right now, I'll open your eye. And before she got back to her seat, God opened her blinded eye and she stands here today healed by the power of God. Now, I'm shouting for what God did, but I got a shout on the inside of me right now that the God that touched her one year ago is the God that's in this house and He can touch you, He can heal you, He can deliver you. Maybe you don't have a blinded eye, but if you have a miracle that you need from God, why don't you shout to the God and say, if you did it for Veda, hey, you can do it for me. Hallelujah. 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 God bless you, Sister Veda. There's an old song. I just feel like I got to start that way and just because I feel like God's going to do something special here today. And Andrew, I'm sorry we do that, but it says, I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Oh Lord. For your name is great and greatly to be. Just sing it one more time and then I'll be ready to preach. And I sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. For your name 
is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I have extra... I, I get... There's a reason for my song. Uh, it's not that I was trying to pivot from that, you know, you felt revival come in the house a moment ago. It's not that I was trying to pivot from that, but I get really sentimental when I think about everything God's done, the way he's blessed. And you know, it was five years ago, this month that my family and I moved here and made Life Church our home for that summer five years ago when my first wife was battling leukemia. She had come a few weeks ahead of us to start her, uh, her, uh, 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 the transplant that she, the, goodness, what was the transplant, that, the bone marrow transplant, the stem cell transplant that she was having. And then I came a few weeks later and we didn't know what life was going to bring our way. And Life Church. You, you, took, you took my kids in and you loved them like they were your own. And it was a week ago, and you know, thank God for, for Facebook. I know you're cursing Zuckerberg. At least you Republicans are. Hallelujah. Anyhow, but, um, <laughs> you know, Facebook has this thing called Facebook Memories. And uh, a year ago, no, five years ago next Sunday... Anyhow, you let, my, you let my kids sing in your choir. You let my kids worship on this altar. You took care of my wife while I was out traveling and you made us feel like family. I'll never forget how good this church was to my family. And then when she passed away and we lived through the darkest times of our life, you were there. You were there for us. You loved us. My kids, when they found out I was coming to Life Church this Sunday and I didn't bring them, they were angry. My son blocked me on Instagram. I mean, he was, he was angry. It's like, why would you go there without me? And, and I'm not trying to, you know, get weird about it, but just, just thank you. Because I'm not the only one. There's, I don't know, thousands, tens of thousands. My uncle Raphael told me a story one day about riding a bicycle. And, and he's just riding the bike and, 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 and your dad, Brother Kilger, was driving by and saw my, my uncle on a bike. And he stopped the car and said, Raphael, just put, put your bike in the trunk. and put, I mean, this just, that's the DNA of this church. And when Pastor Jim brought up that prophecy from three years ago, I want to remind you of what the first word, the first portion of that word was. The Lord said, I saw you. I saw you take care of other people's homes. I saw you go and protect and save other people while your own home was drowning. And the Lord said, because you took care of others, I will take care of your house. Because you had compassion on others, I, the Lord, have had compassion on you. And I want you to know that the God that has blessed you powerfully in the last few years is not through with his work he's not done ladies and gentlemen he's not done I asked 
and, and you've been standing a long time. You can be seated uh, if you wish. And then this isn't my sermon, but something I want to share before I get into my sermon. And then I might, I might say something else. And by the way, forget, I won't make political jokes. Forgive my joke about Facebook. I was just being silly. I just, everybody fights about it. Might as well laugh about it sometimes. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I asked, I asked Pastor Jim yesterday, I said, have you heard about the heaps? He said, no, Tony, I don't think I have heard about the heaps. I said, well, neither have I till a few weeks ago. Got a friend who pastors in Florida named Rodney Howard Brown. It's not name dropping. It's just giving credit to where credit belongs. And um, he asked me, Tony, have you heard about the heaps? I said, no, sir, I don't believe I have. And he said, take time and study 2 Chronicles 29 through 31. Now, I'm not going to take you through all of it. But in 2 Chronicles 29, they had, to, they had to shut the temple down. Actually, in 28, they had to shut the temple down. And the things that were holy were made unholy. And where one used to offer sacrifice to God, they no longer did. They shut the doors of the temple. I'm just going to leave it at that. They closed the church. And when it was time to reopen the church, only eight out of the 12 tribes of Israel came back. Because not everybody was consecrated. Not everybody loved the house of God. And not everybody was ready to come back. But to the ones that came back. To the ones that came back. In 2 Chronicles 31. They called for an offering. And when the offering came. The people of God started bringing their offering. And bringing their offering. And bringing their offering. And 2 Chronicles 31 describes it like this they began bringing offerings and they piled them up into great heaps they began piling them up in the late spring and the heaps continued to grow until the autumn and when hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps they thanked the lord and the people and hezekiah asked where did the heaps come from where did the piles of blessings come from? And Azariah the high priest said, Since the people began bringing their gifts to the Lord's temple, forgive me, since the people returned to the Lord's temple and brought their gifts back to the Lord's temple, we have had to pile them up in heaps. And we have more than enough to eat. We have plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people in heaps. I'm declaring notice when the heap blessing came the heap blessing came between the spring and the autumn i'm speaking and declaring over life church that god's about to give you a summer harvest a summer harvest of souls a summer harvest of finances a summer harvest of joy it's no coincidence that august is going to be your best sunday ever because god's going to pile up heaps Heaps of water baptisms, heaps of Holy Ghost baptism, heaps of healing, heaps of miracles, heaps of financial blessing 
and people are going to look and say how did you get blessed in a pandemic how did you get blessed in this season and you're going to point to Jehovah Jireh the Lord your God and say it's because I serve the God of the heaps I serve the God of the blessings because I went back to God's house and I didn't go back empty-handed I went back with the song I went back with the praise I went back and I gave God my best and God blessed me in heaps in heaps I got blessings piling up all around me last year I didn't have a church you know I'm an evangelist don't have a church to reopen I needed to take a stand for the church didn't know what to do and I was sitting under a firework tent East Tennessee and by the way I feel like I need to apologize about my pants I just um, uh, you know (laughs) see what happened was I can either blame my kids for dressing me. They didn't they don't like my shirt, but they like my pants. But the see the thing is I got five kids now, so I don't have as much money as I used to have. So we just gotta buy the all the pants in one length, and they're long on some and they're short on others, but we all wear the same pants, glory to God. So that's what's up with the pants. Anyhow, stop looking. I feel weird now. <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh what what was I talking about before all of that? You know, you're, you said I can't, I can't, I don't remember. All I see are the pants now. Oh, the tent revival. I was in a fireworks tent. You used to have three services and I had to hurry. Now you got one and I can take my time. Glory to God. Um, and plus I got two years worth of stuff to tell you. <laughs> um, I was sitting under a fireworks tent with Gina's family and the Lord speaks to me. He said, for as Pentecostal as you say you are, you've never set one of these up for me. I said, well, do do you think these would work in 2021 or 2020? I don't know. And the Lord kept pressing. He said, well, who's the original tent revivalist? So I think it's Alan Branham and Co. I'm going back to the early 20th century. He said, you haven't gone back far enough. I, the Lord, am the original tent revivalist. I, Jehovah God, because I told my people, you pitch a tent, a tabernacle in the wilderness. And if you'll set it up there, I'll visit and I'll send my glory. And he said, you tell my people, anytime that they'll do something extra to draw in my presence, you tell them I'll always visit them and I'll always bless them. And so we decided to put up a tent in Nashville, Tennessee. We didn't know if anybody would come. We didn't know. It was, you know, you know what it was like last year. Well, 4,000 people came to that tent over four days. 106 people were water baptized in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over 400 people were baptized in the Holy Ghost, healed, delivered. I mean, God did a marvelous work under that tent. And I thought it was a one and done thing. And then an evangelist named Ted Shuttlesworth called me and he said, Tony, the Lord spoke to me and he told me that if you're to do another tent revival, I need to lend you my tent. Now his tent seats 1,200 people. I mean, it's, it's twice the size of the tent we had last year. And he said, just come to my camp meeting and thank my partners for them lending you the tent. So I showed up at the tent meeting. And when I was with Brother Shuttlesworth and I was thanking his partners, he came and he like a mob boss he said oh brother Tony I forgot to tell you God didn't tell me to lend you the tent God told me to give you the tent God gave us a 1200 seat tent 
A few weeks later, I'm on the Victory Channel doing some political commentary, and a lady was watching. It, randomly, in the middle of the political commentary, the host of the program, Gene Bailey, said, Tony, talk to us about those tent revivals that God's had you start doing. So I talked about the tent revival, and there was a lady watching from Indiana, from Jeffersonville, Indiana, whose husband just passed away. And he, I'm saying all of this to prove to you that the heaps are real. She was watching, and she wrote to the website. She said, my husband just passed away. He loved revival. He loved tents, and I need to do something to honor his memory. I'm sending you a complete sound system for your tent revivals. So within weeks, we got a tent. We got a sound system. Then somebody called and they gave us lights. And then Brother Shuttlesworth called me last week. He said, you know, we were looking in the warehouse and we said, we can't give them a tent and not give them chairs. So I got my team sending you 600 chairs. I know you'll need 600 more, but here's 600 chairs. So I got a tent. I got the sound system. I got the lights. I got the chairs. And I didn't ask for any of it. I feel like this is a prophetic word. Now I feel like I'm about to prophesy to you. Because it's one thing when God gives you something you ask for. But when God gives you something you didn't ask for, it's like the parable of talents. When God puts something in your hands, you got to put it to good use. And I'm, I'm prophesying now. God's about to surprise you with things that you did not ask for. I don't know if it's real estate. I don't know if it's vehicles. I, I don't know if it's a ministry or a Bible college, Brother Jim. I don't know what God's about to put in your hands. But when he puts it in your hands, you rededicate it to God. And you say, God, I'm going to use this talent. And I'm going to multiply it for the kingdom's sake. So all that to say, we're having tent revivals in Nashville and we're going to Cleveland Tennessee and we're going to some other states and 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 who knows maybe we'll set something up in Texas at some point and 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 but God God's doing a work but if but that's that's not if that wasn't the whole story see because Israel when God calls you to a promised land and he gives you destiny he doesn't just give you a destiny I don't know why I'm talking so much about this he won't just give you a destiny Maybe it's for someone on the front row, but when he gives you a destiny, he'll, always, he'll also finance the journey towards the destiny. Because the last thing he did when they left Egypt was he gave them all the gold and the silver from Egypt. He didn't just give them a promised land that flows milk and honey and make them crave for something they would one day have. He said, I'll finance your journey now and I'll make you wealthy right now in the wilderness to bring you all the way through your journey. Even if you get rebellious and you take 40 years to get there, I'll make sure there's so much gold and so much silver that after 11 days you won't anyhow I'm, I gotta stop because I got a different sermon to preach but I sat with a pastor three weeks ago who sowed a significant seed I, I, I got a pass I got a phone call from a southern baptist pastor three days ago he said when I took my stand for righteousness a few years ago and 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 for religious liberty he said, a lot of my friends turned, turned their back on me in the, in the Baptist church. And he said, and I started making friends with Pentecostals and Charismatics. They were the only ones that would take me in. He said, you got to understand how different this is to the way I was raised. I said, yes, sir. He said, no strings attached. I just want you to know God's spoken to my heart. And I've told my congregation that and he pastors in Nashville. 
we need to go to the Nashville outpouring because the Holy Spirit has something for us there. And I just want you to know, Pastor, I'm a, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in me and with our congregation, we want it. And, and so, and he said, and by the way, the Lord spoke to my heart and told me I'm to sow in the Nashville outpouring between that seed, between, between the first seed, the Baptist seed and life church seed. God has cut. We don't need anything else. God just, I, what, what are you talking, I'm talking about heaps of blessing. I'm just talking about, there's so much heaps around us. And you know what you do with the heaps when God gives you the heaps? You find someone else that you can bless and you say, here, take from my heap and you create a heap from them. What we're doing is we're just creating blessing, reciprocal blessing from one family to the other, to the other, to the other, because God's good. And here's the promise of Pentecost for this season. I've stopped praying, God bring everybody to the Pentecostal church. I've said, God send Pentecost to every church. I don't care if they never change the name of their church. Just let the promise of the Father fill their house. Let it fill the churches. Amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? All right. That was two different sermons. And there's some baskets up there for the heaps because some people have already started bringing the heaps. Anytime you feel led from God to bring the heaps, that's not going to me. That's not going to Tony Suarez. That's going to heaps of revival and wherever the pastor designates it to go to. I want to go to the book of Joel chapter 2. I really feel like today is going to be a monumental Sunday in the history of this church that you'll look back on. And I don't say that lightly. But somebody came here today and their destiny is about to be changed. I'm going to the book of Joel chapter 2. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And I'm reading from verse 28. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And then I'll go back and I promise I, I'll, I'll try not to take too long. But I need to preach this word to you today. The word that stands out to me is the very first word of the New Living Translation's version of verse 28. Then. Then. After doing all those things. Then I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. And in those days I'll pour out my spirit upon everyone. Men and women alike. I want to focus on that word then. T-H-E-N. Then. And I want to share with you the conversation I've been having with the Holy Spirit for the last two weeks. God, I thank you for the heaps that you're surrounding me with. I thank you for the heaps that you're giving Life Church. I thank you for the blessing that this house has been to my family. And I ask that today you'd use me for your glory. Speak a word, Lord, that would encourage, deliver, heal, and transform. Touch our ears to hear. Our minds to discern and our hearts to receive what thus saith the word of the Lord. And I ask that you'd confirm it with signs, miracles, and wonders. And I ask it all in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and everybody said. You could be seated in the presence of the Lord. Growing up in the Pentecostal church, we heard Joel 2.28 spoken, preached about, and prayed for more than possibly anything else. We prayed and we have sought the great outpouring of the last day revival that Joel prophesied about. When he said, in the last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And I remember great moves of God and great things of God that did in my childhood, in my youth, and in my younger adult years. 
and I remember revival. I remember God doing great things. And I'd always remember, it seemed like every time we had a move of God, somebody would come and say, you haven't seen nothing yet. And at first, it would spark enthusiasm for what was or is to come. And then it started sparking some frustration. Like, when is it ever going to arrive? Because it seemed like we were always chasing after revival. We were always chasing the next move of God. When God poured out the Holy Spirit in a revival in Brownsville, Florida in the late 90s, everyone flocked to Brownsville. Four million people in about five years. And then God did something in Toronto and millions went to Toronto. When God did what he did in Azusa Street, millions flocked to Azusa Street and people have perpetually always been chasing after revival, chasing after the move of God, chasing after a conference, chasing after a prophet or an event, just chasing and chasing and chasing. And the Lord started dealing with my heart early this spring and he said tell my people that the true revival that I want to give them cannot be chased it has to be made and I said what does that mean he said I'm transforming my people from revival chasers to revival makers I want them I want them to learn how to cause revival to break out in their homes and to have revival in their family and and revival in their churches so that there can be revival in the nation because while everyone is is very concerned with our nation and we're all I'm tired of talking about it more I hope as tired as you're talking about it as tired as we are talking about political strife and 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 stolen this and 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 racial uh, tension and 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 in all the problems that are around us and everything that goes as much as we are tired of hearing it it is clear that whatever side of the aisle you're on however you voted and whatever you believe or you don't believe we all believe that we need revival in the land we need healing in the land we need a movement of reunification in the land where you're more Christian than you are Republican where you're more Christian than you are Democrat where you're more about God than you are anything else where your hope is not in the White House but in the one that will one day sit on the seat of the white throne we got to get back to that and so we know that we need to heal the nation we know that we need to heal the land but God said Tony anytime I started a work of revival in the scripture I never started with a nation I started with a person and out of an individual I touched a family and out of a family I would create a people and out of a people I would create an army that would then become a nation he said the revival of this nation rests in one person that will catch on old time Holy Ghost fire it's one person that'll seek repentance and reconciliation it's one person that'll start crying out to God and if that one person will do it I'll start moving on their family and when their family gets on fire I'll start moving on the people that they can affect I'll start moving on their family and on their friends and when I can touch them then I can touch a tribe then I can touch a people then I can touch an army that can then touch a nation 
The point being, ladies and gentlemen, you got to stop pointing at fingers and say, you must repent. And the Lord says, no, repentance doesn't start with them. Repentance starts with me. It's me that has to get on my knee. It's me that has to examine myself. It's me that has to look and say, God, what is it about me? That has to change. In fact, I just thought about it right now. If Adam wouldn't have pointed a finger at Eve in the garden, your Bible might read a little different today. But it's when you start pointing fingers. Well, it's the woman you gave me. Well, it's that husband you gave me. Well, it's that snake that's slithering in the garden. What if he would have just said, it was me. So we've been chasing revival. We've heard about revival. We've heard about the great moves of God. But I'm seeking the revival of my generation. I'm seeking the move of God that I believe will usher in the trumpet of the Lord when we're all caught away. I'm seeking that move. I've studied the revivals of old. I'm a revival junkie. That's what I like to study. I studied about a revival and heard about a revival that Mar 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 Mariah Woodworth Edder preached in 1885. That was so great that the police said, we have nothing left to do because there's no crime because everybody got sanctified. That's the kind of revival that Portland, Oregon needs right now. And Houston, Texas needs right now. And Chicago, Illinois needs right now. Instead of having 104 people shot and 80 people killed over the 4th of July, we need a revival to hit Chicago that's so great that there is no crime because people are praying through and they're coming to the feet of the cross. Amy Simple McPherson drove her gospel car into Indianapolis. There was a pandemic. They said you can't preach. You can't drive that car into the city because there's a pandemic. And she drove her car in anyhow. And the story, according to the newspapers, is that when Amy Simple McPherson showed up, the pandemic lifted and there was healing, mass healing over Indianapolis. You know what we need right now? We don't need to be scared of a Delta variant. We need the people of God to rise up in Holy Ghost boldness and say, I'm not going to stop praying this time. I'm not going to stop worshiping this time. I'm going to drive that virus and its variant back to the pits of hell from whence it came. My God, I feel a rumble. I didn't even pay for that. That was awesome. Thank you. 1915 to 1920, Spokane, Washington, according to the mayor, was deemed the healthiest city in the world. And they held a public commemoration for John G. Lake, a healing minister. They recognized that they were the healthiest city because of the church. I am praying for a revival so great that rather than the church be at odds with the government, the government will recognize there's something about the church. There's something about when Life Church prays. There's something about when Life Church seeks out God. 
and and I'm praying that the mayor and the city council will do for you what they did for a pastor I just met from Tucson, Arizona a few weeks ago. He brought me a letter. The letter said, Pastor, there's a great drought. You, you, it's, it's the greatest drought we've had in modern history. And it was a letter from the mayor to the pastor. It says, Pastor, I am appealing to you. Please appeal to the Lord your God. Because I know that when you pray, your God answers. I remind you people of God that in your Bible, even in the middle of wickedness, even in the in the middle of paganism, when someone really needed an answer from God, Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, uh, and a whole host of them knew where you turn to when you really want an answer from God. And I'm telling you that when they really need healing, when they really need God to move, they need to know there's still a church that hasn't bowed and need a bail. But when they pray, their God answers. Evan Roberts in 1904 heard of an evangelist by the name of Seth Joshua who in the middle of a sermon was pleading bend us bend us oh God and Evan Roberts left that revival and he started praying bend me bend me and then he led a hundred thousand people to Christ in Wales the revival was so great that even the animals had to get saved now before you say I'm some kind of left-wing weird liberal pita whatever they, just let me explain I didn't say the Holy Ghost fell on the dogs and the cats. I didn't say that. But all of those men were profane minors. They didn't know how to talk without cussing. Every other word was a cuss word. Sounds like 2021. Every other word was a cuss word. But when these 100,000 people came to Christ, it wasn't just a decision they made in the altar. Something happened on the inside of them. Their language changed. Something about them changed. And when they went back to the mines to work, the donkeys didn't know what to do because all the donkeys understood was cursing and cuss words. And so they had to retrain the donkeys in holiness language. And I'm praying God send a revival so great that it would even affect our economy it would even affect our television programs it would even affect you say you're crazy oh yes I am because I read about a God that can send revival that can change a nation change an economy and change a people and I say do it again God I want that kind of revival so I've been pursuing and asking God what does it take what, what do you got? What do we have to do, God? Because we've had awesome church services. We've had the best church services you've ever had. We have great music. We have buildings. We have money. We have great. But God, what does it take? And I was in a car. Gina was carrying on a conversation with the driver. And I was, I was just perusing through the Bible to kind of look spiritual because I didn't really feel like talking. <laughs> At least I'm honest, right? And I came across Joel 2 and 28 in the New Living, and I read that word, then. I'd never seen the word then before. And it just gripped my attention. The Lord said, now I'm going to show you, and I'm going to give you the answer that you've been asking for. Then, after doing all those things, then I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. 
It reminded me, you know, my pastor Sam Rodriguez has been preaching for years this sermon. He says that while the church is waiting for Jesus uh, to, to uh, while the church is waiting for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for the church to rise up. And, and, and it just, it, re, it spoke to my spirit then. He, because the Lord said, they're waiting on me to send revival and I'm waiting on them to get, to do the prerequisites of revival. There's something that if my people will do it, I'll send the revival that they have been seeking. So I went back to the, to the beginning of Joel and I read about the destruction and I read about the plagues and I read about the, 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 the total consummation of everything that used to be there. I read about the invasion of the locust armies, the way Joel describes it and how, how they, were li they were living in total and utter loss. Everything that used to be no longer is. They're living in a proverbial new normal. Nothing is the way it used to be. And Joel, on behalf of the Lord, Joel as God's mouthpiece speaks to the people of Israel in verse 12. And he says, this is what the Lord says. Turn to me now while there is still yet time and give me your hearts. Come with fasting and weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. In other words, I'm no longer looking for you to do something just to get likes on Instagram. I'm no longer looking for you to do something that's just visible to everyone else. I'm looking for something real that's from the inside of your heart. I'm talking about a change of heart, not a change of clothes. I'm talking about a change of a mindset, not just a change of exterior things. He said, you turn your hearts to God return to the Lord your God for he is merciful he is compassionate he is slow to get angry and he's filled with unfailing love he is eager to relent and not punish and then the prophet asked the question in verse 14 it says who knows question mark I like it I like it because I can relate he says who knows perhaps God will even give you a reprieve and send you a blessing instead of a curse. When I get to heaven, I'm going to look for the prophet Joel and I'm going to say, hey Joel, do you remember when you prophesied and you said, who knows, maybe he'll give you a reprieve. I'm going to say, Joel, this is how I know you're a prophet because that's exactly what God did because a few years after you wrote that, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son called Jesus and he gave the world a reprieve we deserve to be cursed we deserve to be damned to hell we deserve to be annihilated but God gave us a reprieve instead of a curse and we're living under it today if you want revival I'm talking to the church today if you want the move of God you've been seeking there must be a return to a lifestyle of repentance I'm not talking about a sinner's prayer. I'm not talking about a one-time prayer in an altar. All of that is necessary, but that does not embody the totality of repentance. Repentance must be a lifestyle. Repentance is the emptying of oneself. Because this is, God was talking to me and asking me questions. He said, Tony, how can I fill what is already full? He said, tell my people that in the process of repentance, they empty themselves not only of the desire, 
desires of the flesh not only of sinful nature not only of condemnation but in a lifestyle of repentance it's a daily prayer God if there be anything in me that's unpleasing to you God if there be anything in me that isn't righteous if there be anything in me that separates me from you God take it out of my life because I love you more than anything that's in this world I love you more than any of the pleasures of this world God what is it in my life that I must leave so I can draw closer to you because I hunger and I thirst after you I want you God I want you that is a true life of repentance it's about drawing closer to God the holiness movement from which the Pentecostal church comes from was not birthed so that there would be rules and legislations and condemnations and chains that was not the purpose of the holiness movement the holiness movement was birthed out of people that were being liberated from the things that were holding them back from drawing closer to God it was the holiness movement that would sing songs and say whatever it takes to draw closer to you God that's what I'll be willing to do what do you want from me God I do I have to give this do I gotta leave this job do I do you don't leave your marriage but you gotta leave this job do I gotta leave this land do I gotta leave this vice do I gotta leave God whatever it is I care more about drawing closer to your presence and to you than this so tell me what does it take It's a preparation and a sanctification of your life and of your home so that God can give and pour out what he is going to do. You have to be emptied so that you can then be filled. God is seeking a people that will repent more than they will complain and criticize. Now you guys are nice because I know this church and I know your pastors and you guys are Christians. But in the secret moments of our frustration, rather than point at everyone that has done us wrong and everyone that has failed us, God says, point and say, God, what about me? What about me has to change? What about me has to be right? You know why I'm so, you know why I'm so consumed about getting me right right now? Because those little babies that I used to bring to Life Church are now teenagers. And one of them's going to college next year, and the other one goes to college in two years. That means I got a little bit more time in my house to make sure that they know the Jesus that I say that I serve. And they're not going to learn by what their daddy preaches in a pulpit. They're going to learn by what their daddy lives in front of them every day of the week. And I've been really consumed lately saying, God... God, don't let me be found to be a hypocrite by my children. Don't, don't let me be found to be preaching one thing on Sunday and living another thing when I'm at home because I want my kids to be saved. I want my grandchildren to be saved. I want them to know that the power of Pentecost is real. The Holy Ghost is real. The power of the name is real. This word is real. But I got, I got to get right. Repentance births revival. 
Someone asked me the other day, I asked a friend if he'd come and help me lead prayer at the Nashville outpouring. He, and he said, Tony, what if we had an all-night prayer meeting? I said, ooh, I don't, man, man, I don't know if people are ready for that in 2021. And it's, it's like as soon as I, you, you remember when you used to get in trouble in church and your mom would, well, I don't know what you all did. And my, I'd get the, you know, the tune-up, you know, and I'm like, oh. Well, as soon as I said it to the guy, I felt like the Lord reached down from him and gave me a little Holy Ghost tune. I'm like, oh, oh, well, because if you want old time power, you're going to have to do some old time things. There was a time, there was a time where we wanted God so much that an all time, all night prayer meeting didn't sound so crazy. You tell people about old time prayer meet, all, all night prayer meetings now and they're like, yeah. Like all night? Like all night, all night? Or like from 9 to 10? You're like, no, all night, all night. But that's what hunger does. That's what hunger does. When you're hungry for more than what you've ever had. Repentance will birth that. There'll be that emptying. And then the Lord said, now watch. When my people repent. And when they call for a time of a solemn gathering and the people fast and the people weep and the people pray to me then he said here's the next then then the Lord will pity his people and jealously guard the honor of the land and the Lord will reply it does not say he might reply that's how I am confident that what I'm telling you doesn't just belong to the Israelites that Joe was talking about, but it belongs to you today. It doesn't even say the Lord will reply to Israel. It doesn't say the Lord may reply. It says the Lord will reply. Look, I am sending you grain and new wine and olive oil enough to satisfy your needs. You will not be the object of mockery because I, the Lord, will drive away these armies. I will give you back your land. And, and he starts talking about everything that's coming back. And the Lord said, when my people begin to repent, then I will begin to restore. I will restore their harvest. I will restore their grain. I will restore the things that they used to have. Yet tell my people that I'm going to restore the land that was eaten. I'm going to give them back what the locust and the hopping locust and the stripping locust and the cutting locust and the great army took away. And not only am I not only am I going to give them back what they used to have, but I'm going to restore the years that felt like they were wasted. There's someone in this house that feels like you've been wasting years. You feel like you lost three years or five years or ten years doing mundane work. But the Lord says what I'm about to do in this season is going to make it seem like you never lost any time because I'm going to cause my blessing to come on this season and I'm going to multiply Woo! I'm going to multiply the harvest right now and it will be like you never lost a moment but in that conversation with the Lord he said tell my people that the work of restoration is not just what I'll do but it's about what they'll do. He said, for I call my people to repentance and I call my people to restoration. And I said, yeah, you, but you 
I'm just letting you in on my conversation with him. I said, but you, you do the restoring. He said, I restore the things that I can restore, but they must restore the things that they can restore. He said, tell my people, restore a love for my word. Restore a love for prayer. Restore a love for consecration. Restore a love for my house. Get back to that place where you loved this word. Not to argue about it, but you loved getting in the word. Because every, you, you remember when you used to have a highlighter and you were highlighting stuff and you were highlighting promises and you'd read it and you'd close your Bible and say, whoo, Maybe you don't have a paper Bible anymore, but at least when you read it on your phone and you get one of those verses, you ought to put it by your heart and say that once for me. We need to restore a love for the Word of God because I've heard every politician lie to me. I've heard every member of the media lie to me and they've caused, they've caused the spirit of cynicism to be alive in our world, but it is written, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. I got to get back. I got to restore my Bible. Read it. It's sounds so I, I know I sound like I'm preaching in 1972 right now and I ought to have a suit on and a vest and and and, and, and well anyhow I'm just telling you we got to get back to Bible reading we got to get back to getting in the word you got to know what the word says We got to get back to a lifestyle of prayer where when we announce prayer, it's not like, oh, that sounds neat, but it's got to be part of the culture of the church one more time that we go to God in prayer every day, not just on a special called day of prayer, but every day I seek out God and I go before him. I got to restore the altar of prayer. I must restore the love of God, the, the love that I had for the word of God. I got to restore a love for consecration. And I already talked about that. And when I restore those things, then God said again, then, the third then, then tell my people to rejoice. Repentance will bring restoration. Restoration will bring rejoicing. He said, tell the people, rejoice in the Lord your God. For the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness. For once more the autumn rains will come as well as the rains of the spring. That's the for, for you old timers. That's the former and the latter rain together. And the Lord says, I'll give you back this. And I'll give you back that. And I'll do this and I'll do that. So tell my people, rejoice and he says, rejoice now. That's important. Rejoice now. Because I know if God will do one more thing for you, I know you'll rejoice then. If God will send one more healing, I know you'll rejoice then. If God will perform one more miracle, I'll know you'll rejoice then. But there has to be a revival of gratefulness in the body of Christ that says, if you didn't do one more thing, when I remember the days of old and I remember everything you've done for me, my soul rejoices in the Lord because you have have been good to me. Everybody's complaining. Everybody's upset. Everybody's pointing fingers. Everybody's accusing. Everybody's 
nobody's canceling each other. Let's let the body of Christ be different. Let's be weird. Hey, weird is cool nowadays. Let's be weird and go online and say, I'm just grateful for today. I'm grateful for the day. They'll think you're weird, but maybe weird will catch on and we'll just cause a revival of gratefulness and thankfulness. Musicians come because I'm drawing to a close. Rejoice. Don't get me in trouble. Repentance will birth restoration, that will birth rejoicing. Rejoicing. I'm going to preach a whole other sermon I had by accident and I'm going to do it in 30 seconds and then not be able to preach it later. Rejoicing is not an act. It's a lifestyle. In Philippians, the apostle tells the church, rejoice. Every chapter of Philippians, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. He gets to chapter three and he says, finally, my brethren, rejoice. That's how I know Paul was a Pentecostal preacher. Because he lied about when he's going to end his sermon. It was supposed to end in chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice. But there was some church trouble. Some religious spirits he had to take care of. And he gets into Philippians chapter 4. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Semicolon. And again, I say Rejoice. A few weeks ago, I don't want you to think like I'm weird and I hear voices, but a few weeks ago during this conversation about revival, I heard that verse in my head, but I heard it being yelled at me. This is how I heard it in my head. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. That's not how I heard it, because I always heard it like, you remember how you used to sing it in rounds when you were on the bus going to, you know, rejoice in the Lord. Oh, I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, more like a Baptist Lutheran kind of a song here. It's just a little more. I never heard it angry. Rejoice. And again, I said rejoice. (laughs) And this is what I started understanding. Paul was talking to the church like a spiritual dad. He was talking to his spiritual kids like I got to talk to my kids clean your room and again I said clean your room boy I said clean your room and again I say clean your room he has to admonish them to rejoice in the Lord every single chapter because every single chapter they get derailed by religion by complaints and by people and he's got to pull them back and say Rejoice. I, I, I said, rejoice. It's time for the body of Christ to rejoice. To live in joy. 
to not be infected with all that social distancing you did last year to stay away from a virus you need to social distance from negativity you need to social distance from cancel culture keep it arms like no that's not gonna contaminate my home my my home's gonna be happy my home's gonna have the joy of the Lord we're gonna laugh in my house we're gonna we're gonna smile in my house because God's been too good to us would you stand with me when they repent when I restore and they restore and when they rejoice then saith the Lord I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh all flesh and I said almighty God This is, a, this is an ongoing several week conversation with God. Just at different moments thinking about it, pondering it, and talking it through. And I'm thinking, man, we got to get the whole church. We got to get every denomination. Not just the Pentecostals, not just the word of faith, not just the, we got to get everybody, we got to get everybody stirred up. And, I, and I'm trying to figure out how do we get revival in the Baptist church? How do we get revival in the Methodist church? I'm, and this is my, um, I'm thinking... And everybody here takes pride in something. There are men in this room that you take pride at your lawn after it, after you have freshly cut the lawn, mowed the lawn, and you got those tic-tac-toe marks, or you fancy people got those diamonds, and you'll go out there after you've mowed the lawn, and you'll just out there sitting with a glass of sweet tea on the porch, rocking, just proud of your lawn some of you ladies it's your garden my aunt Annette I don't is my aunt Annette here she has a beautiful garden she takes pride in her well yeah, it's things I see on Facebook you know some of you it's your cars you get your cars and you you know you're proud of your cars I'm proud of my pool because it's crystal clear I take pride that I got five messy teenagers but my pool is clean hallelujah to the glory of God there was no COVID in the pool I tell you right now and so I'm the kind of guy that will go and just look at my pool I like it that you can see the floor of my pool and one early morning I woke up and I was drinking my coffee and I went outside and I was just watching the pool you know, early in the morning, it looks like a piece of glass. I'm just looking. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, dip your toe in the pool. Now, you could say that's weird, but I'm just telling you what I felt. So, you know, I can't afford socks. So, it wasn't a big deal. I didn't have to take my sock off. And I dipped my toe. I didn't kick the water. I dipped my toe. And when I dipped my toe, it started a ripple that started hitting the whole pool. The whole pool got caught up in this ripple that was started with one dip. And the Lord started speaking to my spirit. He said, I don't need the entire nation. He said, revival is a river and revival is here. He said, I just need one person that will dip their toe in the river of revival. Now, hold on, hold on. 
I asked, I said, God, I, I feel like you're showing me something. It sounds weird. It, sound, it might sound goofy to some, but I really feel like you're showing me something. I said, God, let me do it again and let me get it on camera. Put the video up there for me, if they have it. It just kept hitting the pool, kept hitting the pool, kept hitting the pool. It kept growing. It went to the left. It went to, and uh, you know what Life Church needs today? It just needs one person that says, I'll dip my toe in the river of revival. I, I, I'll, I'll be the one to repent. I'll be the one to sow. I'll be the one to rejoice. I'll be the one to restore. God says, I don't need the whole church. I don't need every single person here. I just need one person that's so hungry for revival. They'll say, I'll dip. I'll dip. I'll put my toe in the river today. All it's going to take is one person. One person. And if there be one in this house today, when I count to three, can we do altar calls? When I count to three, if there be one that would dip their toe in the river and say, I'm coming back to repentance. I'm coming back to rejoicing. I'm coming back because I want revival and I want to be one of the ones. When I count to three, I feel to pray for healing, but I'm going to do this first. One, two, three. If there be one, if there be one, come now. When you come, before I pray over you, when you come, would you just call out and cry out to God? While they're playing that music in the background, you pray however you feel to pray. I'm just going to start a chorus of praise. And I just pray it catches on on those that are dipping their toe in. Father, I recognize the things in my life that don't belong. The things that need to be made right. God, I want to please you. I want my life to be pleasing and acceptable unto you. God, I'm asking you today to cleanse me, to purify me, take things out of my life that don't belong there, pleasures, desires, ambitions. Lord, if it be friendships or associations, if there be anything in my life that's keeping me away from you, draw me close to you because you're all I want God you're all I'm desiring today sanctify my home I ask that the blood of the lamb would cover every bedroom of my home every living space of my home every common area of my home let it be covered in the blood of the lamb so that redemptive and restorative work would be alive in my home let my kids see a godly, godly example. Let them know peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, not fighting and contention. May they hear your name more than they hear anyone else's name spoken in my home. Oh God, forgive us for when we've departed. Forgive us for when we have been distracted. But today we come in mourning, breaking our hearts and saying, you are all that we want. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hataya shokura masetala mahasaya. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Hatama. Help me know you are near. You're all I want. You're all I ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near hallelujah I feel the holiness of God in this place right now I feel the presence of the almighty God of the Bible and of our lives he's here right now his presence is here this is, an alt, this is the moment when you make commitments to God. This is that moment. I don't remember every sermon I've ever heard in my life, but I remember those major altar calls. I remember those altar calls where I rededicated my life to God. I remember the altar call where, where I felt called to make a commitment to ministry. I remember the day I was baptized in the Holy Ghost in the altar. This is where the transaction happens between heaven and the earth. And commitment is made on the earth that opens the heaven up to pour blessings on you. And I just encourage you to just push in a little more and talk to the Father. And just make some commitments. To, I'm, not talk, I'm not saying you got to make drastic commitments today. But, but God, I'm, I'm going to read my Bible this week. God, I'm going I'm to spend a few minutes in prayer every day until it grows into more. God, I'm going to please you more than I please anyone else. God, I'm just open. I'm yes, open to a conversation, God. What do you want from me? What would you have me to give? What would you have me to do? Because you're all, you're all I want. You're all I needed. You're there's someone here today I feel the Holy Ghost here and you've never been water baptized for the remission of your sins you say Tony I can't let another day go by I want to be identified with Christ I want to be marked today I want that name on my life for the person that says Tony there's some things I got to get right before I get in the water 
if you could get right without the water you've you would have already gotten right if my daddy was alive he'd say you got to go take a bath to get clean people would say man when I stop when I stop smoking then I'll get baptized he'd say no you get baptized and you'll stop smoking there's someone here today and you want to identify with Christ and you want to be water baptized at the count of three I want you to raise your hand and maybe you got baptized many 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 years ago out of religious routine maybe you were pressured maybe you don't remember your baptism and there's a conviction in your heart right now that says I need I, I need to be baptized again if that's you I want you to raise your hand at the count of three as well there's something special that happens when you go in those waters. And I don't want you to miss out on it. If there be anybody, one, two, three, would you raise your hand? Is there anybody? Wave at me. Is that a hand up there? That's one right there. God bless you. Is there someone else? Don't put it down if I haven't come that way yet. There's two right there. God bless you. Is there someone else? Three. God bless you. Someone else? Wave at me so I don't miss your hand. Wave at me if I didn't count you. Four right there. God bless you. Is there someone else? If, if, if I didn't point at you and you got your hand up, five back there, God bless you. Is there someone else today? Wave at me. Make sure. Just wave at me. If I didn't, I think I got at least five. There's people here in this altar. There's ministers here that are going to tell you when, how, where, and all of those things. Are you, You're the guy? That's the guy right there. They put a spotlight on him. How cool is that? The guy with the spotlight. If you raised your hand for water baptism, if you'll do me a favor and just make your way towards him, he wants to talk to you for a minute. Hey, no commitment. You didn't sign a contract, all right? But just go talk to my brother right there. He's got his hand up. He's got the beard and the black shirt. And right, he's this guy with, the guy that paid for the spotlight. He's right over there. Just make your way and talk to him. Now, hallelujah. God bless you. I see him going. I see him going. There's several that are walking that way. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 While they're going. I want to pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit over this church. And I want to do it this way. If you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and you want it, would you raise your hand? You've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with tongues, and you want it. There's one, there's two, three back there, four. All right, there's about four on this side. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, I, I don't know if I counted you, so we'll call it 14. There's grace if I got the number wrong. <laughs> 15. All right. I'm, gonna do, I'm praying one prayer for two things today. I'm going to pray for those 15 that raise their hands. But I'm praying for everyone that's here under the sound of my voice. I went to a church service at my in-laws church in Elizabethan, Tennessee. Gina and I were there and her parents pastored a church there in the, in the mountains of East Tennessee. I love going to church there. And I was there as a, on a, for a, a weeknight revival. 
and the evangelist made a call for those that needed a touch from the Lord. Said, if you need a touch from the Lord, would you come now? And Gina's 86-year-old grandmother, Mother Carver, came down on her walker, came down the center aisle. And I was standing on the platform looking out, wondering, what on earth would Mother Carver need from the Lord? This lady has spoken in tongues for over 65 years, Pastor. She probably speaks in three different languages of tongues as far, I mean, and I'm wondering, what does Mother Carver need? And I thought maybe she needs a hip or a knee. Or... And the evangelist, he was one of those bold evangelists, not like me. He went and put the mic in her face and said, Mother, what do you need from the Lord? I'm not doing it for real to you. I'm just saying. <laughs> and Mother Carver said, Oh, I just need a fresh touch from the Lord tonight. And it broke me. It broke my Pentecostal pride. Because I didn't go to the altar. Because what would they think if a preacher went to the altar? But Mother Carver's had the Holy Ghost for over 65 years. And she needs a fresh touch from the Lord. I said, oh God, if Mother Carver needs a fresh touch from the Lord. God, I need a fresh touch from the Lord. So I'm looking for a Mother Carver in the room today. I'm looking for some Mother Carvers that say it doesn't matter how long I've been walking with Jesus. I need a fresh touch from God. If that's you, would you raise your hands? As I pray for you now, when I finish my prayer and I shout the word now, I want you to open your mouth and begin to praise God. And from one moment to the next, you'll stop speaking in English, you'll stop speaking in Spanish, and you'll start speaking in Holy Ghost tongues. The anointing is here. No more explanation is needed. By the authority of the Word of God and by the power that's in the name of Jesus. Father, send a fresh wind of the Holy Ghost to this house and baptize everyone in the Holy Ghost and fire now in Jesus name open your mouth and give God praise he's here I hear a roar of the people of God. They're praising and worshiping God. I hear the roar of the children of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I know that he'll answer that prayer and he'll respond 
to that praise. I feel the move of God in this house. I feel revival in this place. I would press in a little further, people of God. I would let the praises of your God be known in the sanctuary of the Most High. Lift him up. Give him a shout. Give him a praise. Make him exalted in this house. hear the roar of revival. Hallelujah. God asking his church today what will you do for me I know what you want me to do for you but what will you do for me what will you give up for me what will you what will you walk away from for me will you seek me will you consecrate yourself will you sacrifice will you desire me more than you desire anything else because when you seek me you'll find everything you've been seeking your entire life come unto me says the Spirit of God come unto me and you'll find rest come unto me and you'll find joy come unto me and you'll find riches come unto me and you'll find healing but give me give me the offerings that I desire Give me the things that I require. Seek me and you'll find your answers. And then, again I say, then I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. As a sign of his presence if there be any sick amongst us would you raise your hand in the presence of God as I begin to pray over you there's a hip that needs to pop back into place there's severe migraines that have made you fearful that it would be more than just a migraine that needs to go away today an issue with equilibrium 
and it's due to an ear infection in the left ear that the Lord would make whole and healed today ringing in the ears that's too premature for someone they said hearing aids but I say healing in Jesus name someone that needs healing in their legs today specifically in their left leg healing in the knee someone that's facing surgery upcoming surgery and I am speaking over you that when they go in and they cut they'll say wait a second why did we cut this doesn't look like what we were expecting because God will have already gone in and begun the work in you anyone that's living with a lap I'm just this one isn't from the Lord this one's from me because I'm annoyed anyone that's living with some kind of lasting effect from that vile virus that starts with the C word that I'm tired of talking about if food if food still tastes funny to you if your lungs are still jacked up if you're still living with lasting effects from that virus I just feel like if we rebuke it right now God will do a healing is the family is the boy that was healed of cancer that's been that, that's him just really quickly remind me uh, when did I was it three years ago okay tell him tell him real quick you don't care to use the same mic as me do you okay um, it's been about two, three years already. This August will be, this is the one. And you were pregnant with, with him? With him when you, I got baptized. So you got baptized pregnant with Levi. That's a good name. So she, you were pregnant with Levi and you got baptized and your son, what was wrong with your son? Um, he was diagnosed um, in September of 20. It's so hard to remember the years because I believe okay. it's 17, 2017. Um, he was diagnosed with hepatoblastoma and it started in his liver. They resected most of his liver. He went into chemotherapy um, at MD Anderson. He did uh, six different regimens. Um, it spread to his... I want them to see who I'm talking about. Stand up here. Come up here. They need to know who did six regimens. Can you come up here? Oh, he's nervous. You come up here too. Bring. He's shy. And what, and so tell the rest. During those six regimens, um, we, he relapsed total of four times in his lungs. He's had a total of nine surgeries from his liver to his lungs. And his last surgery he had, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna say last, but the last major surgery was an emergency brain surgery. And you can see that it went to his brain. This was this January. After this- You wrote to me on Facebook, this gentleman right here, right? This, that's your husband, okay. After that brain surgery and they took out that tumor, they couldn't understand why or why, 
it was not even reading as what you know his cancer was called um, every single time they removed the tumors it was just sitting on there it never affected it just sat there and now it is July 2021 and what's the last report that this man wrote and gave me um, so about a week to two weeks ago he has gotten his port removed he will, is cancer free how old is he stretch your hands towards this five-year-old boy never again in the name of Jesus of Nazareth the God that healed his liver the God that caused the brain tumor to go the God that healed him once is the God that heals him forevermore from the top of his head to the soles of his feet he'll be healed cancer won't come back he's completely healed by the power of God I cancel the curse in Jesus mighty name give God praise you're looking at a miracle today I bet he never wants to go back to a doctor. You don't like doctors, do you? Yeah. Me neither. What's your name? Your angel? You, Liam Angel. God bless you, Liam. You're a miracle. Cancer-free. No more port. No more tumor. No more liver problems. Completely healed by the power of God. Go on your way in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord Jesus, bless this family. Because they could have thrown in the towel, but they kept having faith. Bless my brother with heaps of blessing. Heaps of resources. That cancels every bill that comes from M.D. Anderson. Heaps of blessing that causes him to be able to stay home with his family. Heaps of spiritual blessings that will cause this family to walk in the admonition of the Lord like they have never walked before. In Jesus' mighty, mighty, mighty name. Hallelujah. Alright, I know we got to go. For healing, for those that called out healing, forgive me for keeping you so long today, but I was making up for two years. If you need healing, if you'll raise your hand one more time. Father, you are the God of Liam Angel. You're the God that healeth us. You sent your word and you healed our disease, says your word. I thank you for sending the word of healing over these people now. And by the authority of your word and the power that's in your marvelous name. In Jesus' name, I take authority over every sickness, every pain every condition every debilitating condition that's affecting people's lives right now any lasting effect from COVID-19 you hear the sound of the voice of the mighty God of Israel that roars in this house be gone every sickness every virus and every lasting effect the Lord says to you be gone from these bodies they're healed they're delivered and they're transformed today in Jesus mighty mighty name somebody give God praise in this house right now